0: Hello, I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a conversation featuring fresh voices and diverse perspectives on culture, community, business, and more. My guests today are Denise Powell and Leanne Pruitt, who, in 2017, co-founded Women Who Run Nebraska, a state political action committee aiming to help elect more progressive women up and down the ballot. Our conversation is being recorded today by Zoom. Leanne Pruitt is a creative director for a marketing and design firm. An Omaha native, whose work has taken her to New York and back, Leanne is actively involved and committed to giving back. In addition to her work with Women Who Run, she has also donated her time and creative talents to her alma mater Mercy High School, where she serves as a board member and recently led the organization in a complete rebrand. Denise Powell is a Florida native who has proudly called Nebraska home for 11 years. She has worked in community relations and grassroots marketing for two decades, currently serving as a marketing director for an architecture firm. A passionate community leader, Denise serves on the board of directors for the Immigrant Legal Center, Amplify Arts, and the Women's Center for Advancement, an organization dedicated to empowering survivors of domestic violence, stalking, and trafficking. Leanne and Denise, thank you, and welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having us. Those women sound real interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Who are they? They sound great.
0: I'm looking at them, and they are
1: great. (laughs)
0: Could you give us the 101, if that's the right expression, the, you know, the lowdown on what a political action committee is?
1: So a political action committee uh, is a, a formally organized group that raises money for a certain cause. Uh, in our case, the cause is getting more progressive women elected to office. So we raise money that then we use to help um, fund campaigns um, but also fun things like training for people who are considering a run for office or who want to learn more about how to work on a campaign.
2: I'll add that the political action committee world is quite murky. And there are a lot of, as you would imagine, there are a lot of rules with how you can take in money and spend money and um, and what you can and can't do and how you report it. There's tons of rules. Um, and that was something that we had to jump into it, just because we found out that's what the candidates needed from us they need there needed to be a money aspect to this but beyond just the support and encouragement but then on the flip side of things I'll also say there's a lot that's really nebulous and there are no rules a lot of it comes down to your judgment and what your organization prioritizes and how you spend the money so there's actually not a hard and fast this is the percentage of x that has to go to this or here's how you spend it. It's really very uh, discretionary based on what your goals are. So we, um, any political action committee that you are looking into or thinking about, it's important to understand not just what they have on paper as what they're, what they, what's important to them, but to know the people behind it, because it turned out when Denise and I looked around, we're like, oh, it's us that makes these decisions. You know, we were sort of looking to rules or something like, how do we do this? And it's sort of like, oh, it's our judgment. So it's really helpful to sort of trust and know the motivations of the people behind it, um, because a lot of that stuff can get a little bit, um, there is some some gray area. And so it's helpful to know the people and the passion behind the mission so that you're making sure that the money and organization and coordination is going to the cause, truly, that you believe in.
0: We'd love to think that involvement in politics and the money behind it is at the 100% transparency level. But what you're suggesting is it, it can be dialed down. And I think the worry since the Citizens United case is that we're at zero transparency. Are there any examples you can give where you looked at your, your pack, uh, Women Who Run, and thought, this is a gray area. What do we do here? What can we do?
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, campaign finance laws and regulations are not great. Um, and, and to Leanne's point, are super murky and almost designed to be more opaque. Here in Nebraska, as it relates to state PACs like ours, the Nebraska Accountability and Disclosure Commission is fantastic. They're great. They're really easy to work with. They're wonderful, wonderful people. And they work very hard to make sure that there is a lot of transparency um, from candidates, from the candidates' perspective, and also from the PAC perspective. So it is very easy to go on there and see who we've given to. Um, And Leanne and I have tried to be really transparent about uh, our goals and why we give to the candidates that we do um, and where that money goes. Uh, At the moment, we've been a very small and scrappy organization, so it's just us. We don't have an office space. Um, So really, all the dollars we raise have just been pumped back into these candidates and, and these opportunities for people who are interested in the political process.
0: I don't know many people that wake up one day and just think, you know, I'd love to start a pack. <laughs> so would, would each of you maybe take a, a moment? Let's, should we just start with Leanne? Talk to me about the, the motivation, you know, where, where did this thought come from for you?
2: Oh yeah, boy. Oh, well, it did start with uh, the election, the previous uh, presidential election, So I guess you could say as all good movements start, they start from, I guess, anger and frustration. Um, Denise and I went together with a group of people to the Women's March uh, and we marched and we got fired up and we started making plans quite literally at dinner that night on the plane the next day. So what what are we going to do? We felt a call to action. We knew there was something there as as many Americans um, felt. And so we came back and sort of just started swinging and I would say less focused, less focused swinging, Um, writing, we're writing letters to our, you know, to our representatives. I believe there was some to the president. Um, After a while, it was feeling less fruitful because the thing was we, we felt, and I know a lot of people felt this way, that it wasn't, there wasn't a singular issue that was suddenly going to, that we were afraid of or had, you know, a problem. It was it was everything. It was women's rights. It was education. It was income inequality. You know, tax cuts for the rich. We knew there was a lot coming that we cared deeply about, and so we started kind of going after it. We we hosted a, like I said, letter letter writing of things we were upset about. But then we were also, you know, advocating for immigration. You know, uh, law changes. And it was frankly too much. There was so we were getting pulled in so many different directions that we really had to step back and kind of ask ourselves how can we be the most focused and the most impactful?
1: Exactly what Leanne said, I mean, you know, I'm the daughter of immigrants. Uh, obviously, the election of Donald Trump and the em- sort of immediate attacks on the immigrant community were something that really fired me up. But then there was, you know, health care and, and education and Betsy DeVos changing, you know, the rules, it, just all these things that um, felt like, um, like they were going to bury us. Um, in our attempt to find ways to solve for some of these issues, we really had to step back and figure out what was one thing that we could tackle that could potentially have the greatest impact. And we landed on the notion of getting more women elected to public office, and that's really important because if you look around, women are disproportionately impacted by all kinds of policies. So. Um, women are the primary healthcare decision makers in most families. So look at what's happening with you know COVID nineteen today, and the people who are being most negatively impacted—you uh, know, people who work in the healthcare field, nurses, teachers—the large percentage of which are women. We're more likely to experience pay discrimination. We're more likely to experience sexual violence. All these things that, when policies are being handed down from above. Uh, Impact us the most. And so, if you can have more representation at the table, having a part in these conversations, whether it's on the MUD board or the school board or the state legislature or Congress or the White House, it's impactful and it has the ability to truly change lives. I mean, we are 51% of the population, and women make up like I think less than 30% 30, of of elected offices. Um, And in our state, we are one of the, the we're in the bottom half of states in terms of female representation only 14 percent of our state legislature is women um, we've only had four women that have served in congress ever and two of them only served for one month each we don't have a great story to tell but that is changing and we're seeing that change shift slowly this year that we've counted and i know there's folks that we're missing out there there are 45 women that we've identified that have that won their races this year, and I know it's hard because people see the names at the top of the ballot. We didn't quite get there with those two, and so that it feels like this big, heavy loss. But really, the story is amazing. In Schuyler, Nebraska, the first Latina to ever graduate from Schuyler Public Schools was elected to the school board. You know, we've got these amazing stories. Jen Day here in Nebraska—that's huge. That's a huge victory in a part of. Omaha that people sort of wrote off as ever being a seat, you know, a place where a woman like that could hold a seat. And Jen was able to present this message of unity, a message that appealed to people from both sides of the aisle and win. So change is happening. Change is coming. And we are so inspired by all these amazing women who are putting themselves out there because it's hard. It is not easy to run for office. It's an inspiration to see these women putting themselves out there and being willing to to do this job.
0: bios that you shared with me talked about progressive women. A lot of the language that I see emanating from your um, merchandising and and on the website is more geared towards vote for women and it doesn't necessarily call out a particular political um, alignment on the spectrum. So would you tell me a little bit more about um, who you choose to support?
2: Well, glad you asked, Stuart, because we have discussed this before. We've been asked sometimes, um, often by more conservative women uh, that want to know why why we don't why we're focusing so much on progressives. Which in this current situation has mostly uh, meant Democratic uh, candidates, a um, couple independents as well, um, but has not for us yet so far included any Republican women. Um, and that's because our message of vote for women has two meanings. We ha- we mean it in the most literal sense, vote for women. We really do, if you can't tell already, we really do believe that women can solve many of the problems that we're facing, the division and the lack of being able to work together Women are innately good at this stuff. This is what we do. It's just it's built in to the way our brains are made. We're able to juggle multiple things at a time. We can listen to people. We communicate really well. So we believe in women, and we believe that just women in general can solve these problems. But on the other side of the coin, we also mean it in a little bit more of a, of a holistic sense of vote for women, for policies and things that will support women and girls. And sometimes that means voting for a man so it sort of takes on two meanings. We mean vote for women in the literal sense, on your ballot, on the, che- on the check mark, write them checks and, you know, and vote them into office. But then on the other side, when you're evaluating all your candidates and all of the policy decisions that you're thinking about, vote for the ones that will move women and girls forward, not backward. So when you talk about the other side of the spectrum, we are not looking for candidates who have any sort of regression or sort of status quo for women. Um, there's things that need to change, as, as we've pointed out, um, with women's inequality. We want to move forward. And so that's why we focus so much on progressive women for the elected officials that we are, you know, candidates that we support.
0: You began this political action committee, and you probably had a sense of what you were going to be doing. And I'm, I'm curious about what was the sense you had at the beginning about, we're going to do this. And, and how, how did your work actually shift over the last couple of years?
1: So we actually uh, didn't form a political action committee in 2017. We just had this organization that was a Facebook group and we threw <laughs> events and we brought candidates together. Um, but through those relationships and the more time we spent meeting candidates and understanding the challenges that they were facing as women running for office in Nebraska, it became very clear that the biggest opportunity, the biggest need was really that, that money. And it's unfortunate, and to be frank, we wish that organizations like ours didn't need to exist. But campaigns run on money, and they run on people. And if you're paying staff, if you're paying to make palm cards or yard signs or a website, um, all those things take money. And the unfortunate reality of the world today is that you need that in order to be considered a viable candidate. So in 2019, we officially formed a state PAC. We kind of did it crossing our fingers, hoping for the best, and we weren't sure what that was going to look like. Um, in 2020, we didn't know that we would be able to even raise any money with the pandemic. We had all kinds of fundraisers and things lined up, and then those all went away. Um, the amazing thing is, though, there has been such a huge groundswell of support. I mean, we were able to... Um, to give out you know tens of thousands of dollars and a lot of that money was raised by people buying koozies and t-shirts and that's no small feat because it is a very difficult time for people right now it's a very difficult world but in politics you have to have some level of optimism and i think people have been able to feel that and feel good about that and want to contribute to this cause Um, and it's it's been incredible. So, you know, we were able to have a really big impact that um, I think Leanne and I are both super proud of uh, this year, and we only see it growing.
2: We looked, when we, when we started this, um, we looked at it in two ways. One, we wanted to make it easier for women to run for office. And then on the other side of things, we wanted to make it easier for, for all of us to be involved in quote-unquote politics without it being scary, miserable, disgusting, any of the things that you would normally align to politics. So that is where those first couple of years went. We did trainings, we did events, um, and with a focus on fun, with a focus on on a little bit of a, I would say just like a par- party atmosphere or just the bringing together the community, you know, the collection of women coming together and then bringing men into the fold to support these women. And so we really sort of just kind of headed down. We knew there was a, there was a blanket, there was a hole for that. There was nothing. There were certainly, there are plenty of fantastic political organizations in our community. Um, whether, whether it's, you know, from the formal side of things from the state or the part of uh, the County, but um, doing some of the technical work, but there was none on this sort of, I guess you would call it a little bit softer side of things where you're just helping people understand and break down the walls and boundaries around politics because, political is personal. Politics aren't something that we should be able to sort of wrap up and say, well, that's politics I don't want to talk about. It's part of our lives. And so we wanted to make it a little bit more accessible so that people could feel like they were part of the system. And it turned out in 2020 that buying a t-shirt that says vote for women, buying a, you know, a, a, a wine tumbler to drink your inevitable quarantine booze out of, and buying one for your for your mom, for your aunt, you know we heard so many people come in and they're like, I need three. these my, my girlfriends in other states need these. Like that it's just it's such a small thing to say like, well, oh, merch made pe- people feel better. It did. It made people feel like they were taking action on something. Of course they're getting a little reward in return, which is a great is something we all needed in 2020. So um, did we think we were gonna open a merch pop-up factory? Uh, When we started this in 2017, or even when we packed in 2019, I think we thought it was going to get quite a bit more formal, and it was sort of heading that way. We were getting a little bit more support. We did have a lot of more uh, traditional, quote-unquote, fundraisers all booked for March, April, May that all got canceled, and when the merch uh, (laughs) and merch pop-ups were, as we saw people and heard this response from people of how much they loved them loved the pop-up, loved the material they were able to buy and give and celebrate. And you get selfies all over the place with people wearing this stuff. Um, we realized it was, a, it was a ticket. We were like, well, sure, we can shift in focus. Because again, Denise and I are both sort of silver lining optimist people. We weren't focused on, oh my gosh, all of our fundraisers are canceled for us. It was like, looks like this is a new avenue. Let's do it. We tripled down. We run a merch business now. Sure. (laughs) Looks like we need some more koozies. (laughs) Order up on those koozies. No, that is, I mean, that is
1: the the challenge, right? It's it's not just getting people to pay attention to politics because politics is all around you. You can't hide from it. Um, But how do you get people engaged in politics when they've got other things happening in their lives? Um, When you're in the middle of a global pandemic, when you're just trying to figure out how you're going to survive and how you're going to make it to the end of the week one of our proudest accomplishments is probably the yard sign drive through, <laughs> you know, this idea of building on uh, excitement and enthusiasm for one or two candidates to gain support for other candidates. Uh, so people would come in looking for a sign for a specific candidate. And then we'd say, where do you live? You shouldn't learn about this person. She's running for the board of regents. You should learn about this work. You know, she's running for um, OPS school board. That is how you start engaging people in politics. It's not, on facebook and it's not trying to get people to immediately go knock on doors because that's very uncomfortable for a lot of folks it's you know when you it's like a gateway drug if you get somebody a yard sign for a candidate that they've never heard of and you say this woman is great she's running for the state board of education let me tell you why it would be so impactful to have her in that seat suddenly they're invested i mean they've got that sign they're invested they know who they know who this woman is they feel very smart about it they want to share that information with their friends that's how you engage people. And by creating this sort of fun atmosphere where people feel like they're part of something bigger than them, uh, you start engaging them in a way that makes sense and feels good in their lives and not like this weird invasive thing that is kind of, they don't fully understand it. They can't really get close to it. They don't really know what's happening behind the scenes. It feels like something that they, that they can relate to and that fits into their lives a little bit better. It's a little bit of a sisterhood. That's probably one of the best results of this, of this, all of everything that we've done is the sense of camaraderie between candidates um, and candidates in community that you know, you're, you're going through this incredibly challenging experience. And to have other women around you who get it, um, who are living the same thing, who can share their victories and share their defeats, who can share resources. We've seen candidates partner up to go deliver palm cards in neighborhoods together carry each other's literature so that they can, you know, advocate for a candidate who's, you know, not them. Um, it's, it's inspiring. And I think people are looking for that inspiration and looking for a place where they feel like their home. And I'm, I, I hope that that's what Women Who Run feels like to people. Never bothered about what could be coming Every day we danced and life was smiling We were young
0: and drunk in love
2: A
1: few years later I have started thinking If it's just love in every glass I'm drinking
0: I wonder if each of you might, for the purpose of illustrating the work that you've been doing, the impact of what you've done in our community, would you just pick, you know, each of you just pick one race in this recent electoral cycle that just stood out to you in some way and that you feel vested in?
2: I will go first and I'm going to take, uh, Denise knows what I'm going to take because it's um, maybe it, let's call it an easy one and I'll, I'll say it's, um, it's Jen Day's race. I mean, we really, we identified going into this cycle what some key races were going to be. And Jen, because of her, um, her fantastic showing in the primary and because it was a statement race, she was running for state legislature against a governor appointee who hadn't actually run in the previous cycle, so she was running against um, against somebody that was sort of placed there, and uh, she stood for everything that you know we believe in that women are able to accomplish uh, in that position. And legislature is one of our our focus points because we know that there is a lot uh, a lot coming for this session, and so we picked her you know her race as one to focus on because we knew it was uh, winnable and it was something that we could sort of rally behind and know that we uh, made an impact. Um, and so that one, I would say, I'd put on the check mark of of sort of wins that we're extremely proud of, uh, just because we did invest uh, money and also enthusiasm and support and rallied, uh, you know, volunteers and supporters for her. And so I, th- I think I put I put Jen Day on my list. I would say Jacqueline Morrison
1: is somebody that I'm super excited about. Um, Jacqueline Morrison ran for the Nebraska State Board of Education. That's a board that I don't think a lot of people think about and don't necessarily think about the impact that that has on the state, but it's huge. It is huge, huge, huge. They make a lot of very important curriculum decisions and a lot of very important decisions for all the schools in the state. And if you look at that board and look at the makeup of that board, it has historically not been very diverse in age, race, you know, ethnicity, like all the things jacqueline is she's brilliant she is young she's a mom. her girls are at Washington uh, elementary she's an attorney she's just a badass she's just the coolest human she's a young black mom and that is a complete game changer if you think about the diversity of students in our state and how much more our state is changing go into our schools they don't look like the state board of education. The idea that that we're building representation on that board to me as a mom, as a mom of two kids in an OPS school, is super, super exciting. Um, and Jacqueline ran an incredibly hard campaign against you know juggling work and kids and all the things that you know working parents out there are juggling, and ran one heck of a race and and she won by a good, solid margin, um, and she's joining Deb Neary, who uh, was elected in the last cycle, who is also amazing. It's just very exciting to have Deb and Jacqueline now on that state board. Um, they're two phenomenal, phenomenal women, and um, that, so that one was very, very exciting for me.
0: How does this cycle, in terms of female representation on the ballot, compare to what perhaps has been historically the case, and what are the factors that are getting in the way of women candidates and how have you been sort of getting some of these burdens and barriers out of the way?
2: I was just going to say, I'll address the, maybe the first half of that, which is um, how is it looking? How, how are we, how are we doing? And I would say um, every, so we've, we've been through two uh, election cycles, um, 2018 and 2020 and um I am, I don't have numbers in front of me, but I'm going to say they, let's say, double dish uh, the amount of women that we were supporting. There were, uh, I think, Denise, correct me here, 60, there were over 60 progressive women that we had sort of rounded up in our state, you know, from uh, from Omaha and beyond uh, that were running. And as Denise said, 45-1. So even though some of the most visible ones did not quite grab that win this time, we're extremely optimistic in the progression and the direction that it's going. Um, the fact that it has gone from, you know, very few women on the ballot to just exponentially more and more. And we are going to, that's what we're here for, to keep that momentum going and to keep encouraging women. I'll let Denise address sort of how, the how, what stands in the way and and how we've been trying to address some of those barriers.
1: I mean, the things that are barriers for women running for office are the things that are barriers for all women to achieve whatever goals it is that they have set forth so um, pay equity is a big i don't know if you know this but uh, legisl- state legislators make twelve thousand dollars a year so unless you are independently wealthy or um, you have a partner that can help support you or you are working other jobs um, that is not a career path that a lot of people can afford to take um, access to affordable childcare is another big thing that impacts women all over from all walks of life, you know, I'm a mom with resources and it is really hard for me to have the, the help that I need sometimes to do my job, my nine to five job, much less all this other, all this other extracurriculars that we do. Those are all things that impact women everywhere and definitely stand in the way for a lot of women who think like, gosh, I would love to do this, I'm the right person. I feel like I could be really good at this, but I don't know how I'm gonna manage all these other things in my life. I don't know how I can afford to do this job. I don't know who's gonna watch my kids. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of that. That's why we need all these women elected because they're gonna help change those policies that make it easier for the people that come behind them. So really they're pioneers, you know, they're trailblazers, which sucks because women have been trailblazing for a very long time, but we're making progress, but progress is slow. Um, it's never fast enough. So hopefully, you know, we're we're by getting the women that we are getting elected now, we're making the road a little bit easier for the women who come behind them. But we do recognize that, you know, there are specific issues and things that we could be advocating for. That's why Leanne talked about how the state legislature is such an important area for us. It's because the people in that in those seats can have a direct impact on a lot of the things, a lot of those barriers that are hard that make it harder for women to run. And women are treated differently when they run for office. You know, when they go to the doors, people ask them, well, is your husband okay with you running? Well, shouldn't you be, you know, you have kids. Is this really the best use of your time? You should be with your kids. You know, they get get comments about their appearance and their wardrobes and their hair and all these things in a way that men don't. So it is exponentially harder for a woman running for office. And um, we're trying to do everything in our power to make that easier, but that looks like getting women elected to office.
2: I want to add one thing. It's sort of along what Denise was just saying about with the way that we are judged for things or the sort of how some of the additional stereotypes uh, that we have to overcome. I'll just say that, you know, years ago when Sheryl Sandberg wrote Lean In, with all its criticisms, it did open up the conversation about women and imposter syndrome and about how qualified women feel to do things. And the fact that we have to feel basically like we can do a hundred percent, that we're a hundred percent qualified before we'll even raise our hands to try it out. Whereas generally speaking in the research, men, if they're like 40%, if they look at the list and they're like, "Ah, they raise their hands. That's not a criticism on men. It's a sort of a catch up that we as women have to do. And so the confidence building. So when we we use the word, um, when we talk about what Women Who Run does, we, of course, we're talking, we are talking about money here, because it, it does make the campaign world go round, and, and training and things. But we use the word encouragement a lot, because sometimes women just have to hear it, that you can do this. That doesn't mean not every woman should run for office. If You don't want to do it if you don't have passion for it. But we want to make sure that we're there. That's, that's been a, a key sort of pillar in how we decide how what events to put on, what trainings we need to do, what kinds of communications we need to send out to, to women, um, to either either candidates who have already identified as like, Hey, I think I'm interested. Or, you know, we have a a group of people who are just, they've always, they've just, they're there, they're there with us and they're coming to trainings and they never have said yet, Oh, I'm going to run for this seat, but they're, but, but they're, they know that there's something there and there there's whatever that block is. We want to make sure we're removing it. So whether it's, the knowledge, you know, of like, oh, it turns out, um, you know, there's actually, there is no secret to how to do any of this stuff. You just start doing it. Um, and, and there aren't these, these traditionally men or, you know, candidates that have been running in the past. They didn't know more than you. They actually they didn't. There's not an actual sort of magic formula or system of qualifications and experience and, you know, textbook reading that prepares you to run for office. So something you have to just jump into. And so we're here to give women the confidence that like, you know what, jump in, you are gonna fall just a little bit, but we're here to catch you. We're here to help you. We'll fall with you. Um, And so that's an important barrier and support that we're trying to, you know, eliminate uh, with the things that we do.
0: can't be thinking you ain't got Are you both aware of how big an inspiration you are? And are you, if aware of that, how much does that weigh on you?
1: I don't know that inspiration is the word I would use so much. I don't know that anyone wants to know what's happening behind the curtain here. Um, But, you know, I think that what weighs on us is this idea of creating this truly inclusive space for female candidates that, you know, politics is not that right now. It's very divisive. Um, it can be very difficult. It's hard to find moments of optimism in this space. So I think what weighs on us is the need to continuously you know, fly that banner even when we have moments of like, what the heck is happening in this world right now? Having to continuously cheerlead and push even when the odds don't look good even when things don't look like they're going to go our way, even when the end result isn't the one that we would have crafted necessarily, there is a sense of people are paying attention to what we're doing in a way that, you know, wasn't true when we first started this thing. I mean, our, maybe our friends were paying paying attention, but no one else really was. And, uh, you know, now it's just continuing to be that voice of positivity and
2: inclusion and optimism and, that that's the thing that I think keeps us up at night. I agree with everything Denise just said. I would add, um, I would say no. Burden doesn't summarize it for me. I won't speak for Denise, but I, I think I can summarize that it's, it's definitely more of an honor, privilege, responsibility. Those yes. are the words I would use rather than burden because the fact that we can take like, our nature of being positive and wanting to make change and bring people along, the fact that that's resonating with people the, the thing that we do innately that we're like, is this, hard? not not that we haven't worked hard, but that we sort of like, we're like, well, we'll have a party and we'll, and we'll, you know, or we'll, we'll, we'll get everyone rallied behind this, or we'll make this thing fun, or we'll do this. And that stuff that we just would innately do for ourselves, the fact that people love it, we're like, that's, that's what, that's what great work is, right? When you find something that is something you're just kind of innately good at or something that you would be, you know, as part of your nature and people like it and people respond to it. It's, it's like I said, more of an, like an, on, an honor and something that we take as um, like inspiration and impetus to help to, for us to keep going.
0: It sounds very much like November 3rd, 2020 was just a waypoint along this journey. What do you see for the future of what you're doing?
1: You know, we're going to, we're, st- Staying the course. I mean, we're in this for the long haul. Um, like I said before, you know, progress sometimes feels slow, but that's just the way it works when you want it to stick. Um, women have been fighting these battles a hell of a lot longer than Leanne and I have even been alive. And so we are just, you know, we're it's like passing the torch and we just keep going with it. Um, one of the things that we are adding more campaign services and campaign support, um, you know, it can be expensive and, and sometimes it doesn't make sense uh, depending on what race you're running to have a, hire a full campaign team. Um, a lot of candidates have a, you know, a partner, a best friend, a coworker that is maybe kind of helping them run their campaign and maybe that person doesn't have a ton of campaign experience. Sometimes you need the full, the full gamut, but sometimes you just need some help learning how to fill out a form. And so that is something that we're gonna, we're gonna start offering uh, to candidates now, uh, in addition to providing training for future candidates and for campaign staff so that people can learn about what it takes to run a successful campaign. Leanne and I are really, really excited to welcome a couple new partners to Women Who Run to help us do that work. So Michaela Kavanaugh and Jessica Lathrop are joining our team. Um, they're awesome, they have a ton of experience in this space all of our evolution has been in response to what we are hearing from candidates that they need. Um, And a lot of times it's like, Hey, do you know anybody who can help me with my finances? But really what they need is somebody to help them fill out a form every few months, you know, because they're running for MUD board, something like that where they don't need the full Monty. And there, there aren't a ton of people who do this work in our state. Uh, So that's kind of the next evolution for women who run that uh, we're really excited about because we hope that it, just makes um, the idea of running for office that much easier when you know that you can just pick up the phone and call
2: somebody and get some support when you need it. So with each, as Denise said, with each iteration of what we've, where we've changed and shifted, it's been, it's been a little bit of us doing what we're asking women to do, which is just to jump in uh, without knowing. Um, and so when, when it was sort of like, well, we're going to become a pack. Okay, okay, sure, we don't know what that means, we don't know what the rules are, we don't know the well, we're going we're to go in and we're going to figure it out, it was, it's becoming very, very clear that this campaign services and, and training staff and, and all this is, is very, very important um, and is going to be necessary for our organization to continue to grow and offer the services that we know that these candidates need to really to get over that confidence hump and to, and to feel ready to run um and that's one that we aren't going to jump in and just try to guess our way through we're not campaign we're marketers and we're cheerleaders and we're we're organizers and we get done um but we do not have campaign experience we do not have the you know we've we hired our own finance director we don't do the reports ourselves. so it just seemed it was not a, a, a threshold that we were willing to sort of it's not something we want to mess around with for people. And so bringing in experts, expert partners that guess what, that is what they do. And that is what they know how to do. Um, you know, they've got years and years of experience in this. And so it's re- it's very exciting to be able to sort of bring a second half uh, to the organization so that, you know, as Denise said, not a lot will change for us as far as um, still being able to do all of these things that we're talking about with bringing people along and, keeping everyone engaged and recruiting and all of those things. Um, But then on the other side of the coin, we'll have some great partners who can help with the technical aspects of campaign planning and make sure that Denise and I aren't telling, giving people the wrong advice we have. Now we'll have people that can give advice that isn't just our sort of best guess or our most optimistic. uh, It's going to be the real information. So we're, we're just absolutely ecstatic to have the opportunity to expand uh, and continue to do the work because this is only going to strengthen it and make it grow even more. We've got the momentum and we're just going to keep letting it plow us forward. It's the only way it's forward.
0: I'm stunned, right? Like 45 out of 60 ish races. You saw your, your candidates the people you were working with. Dare I say Nebraska saw success, which is amazing. I'm wondering now as we pivot to, for example, Um, mayoral elections and city elections in Omaha. Those are happening across the state. Of course, bigger picture, we have midterms in 2022. And I know that if you're interested in 2022, that means you've probably started planning for that now, Um, if not before. So how are you, as it were, getting the ball rolling with another bigger diverse slate of candidates who probably right now are maybe not even known to you. How are you expanding your pool and how are you selecting who you want to support?
1: First, we do multiple things. So we do things that support all the progressive women running for office. We may not be able to financially support all of them every race, um, but we want to support all of them. That's where that inclusive message goes. This isn't about cherry picking which of you know, a few are our favorites, we really want to support all of them because it's that ecosystem that we're trying to create that requires us to have sort of a very big, very big group of of people that we're backing. Um, We are, we have in the past, and we will continue to offer trainings to people that are like boot camps where they can come and ask questions of women who have done this successfully. Um, What we know is that oftentimes women need to be asked multiple times to run, as what Leanne was talking about earlier. Uh, we question our qualifications. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking about whether or not you should run and you have a passion for this work, you should run. I'm telling you this right now. Leanne can tell you too, that's two. And let's lock this down. Um, you know, we want to be that resource where people feel like they can call us and start putting out feelers. And I will say this, that we've seen a change even in the way these elections are run since the 2018 cycle. And I expect that to continue. The races have been a little tougher, a little grittier, a little uglier. In some cases, there's been a lot of of out-of-state interest in Nebraska in a way that there never was before. I think having that blue dot uh, has really, it's really going to draw even more attention to the state. Uh, When Leanne and I first started talking about this PAC idea, we called a whole bunch of organizations because she and I did not think that we were the right people to do this. Uh, So we called Emerge and Emily's, like all these different organizations that kind of do this work around the world. And we kept hearing from people, wow, you guys have a great story, but Nebraska's not really on our radar right now. All bets are off. Nebraska's on the radar. Omaha's on the radar. Douglas County's on the radar. Um, And so we predict that a lot of these races, not just city council, mayoral races, municipal races, certainly the 2022 legislature races, all everything that's happening in 2022 and 2024, those are going to be tougher. And these battles are going to be more uphill. Um, and it's going to require a greater investment, both of time and resources and energy into some of these races. So um, what I would say is that this work is just going to get tougher uh, and more intense. We're ready for it. Bring it on. We think we can win it. We think these women can win it. We believe in them. But it's going to take Everybody really pushing some of these candidates across the finish line. Um, we saw that in Jen's race. Jen ran an amazing campaign, Jen Day. Um, Carol Blood, who's incredible, she's an incredible legislator. Same thing, the attacks, the investments in her opponents were huge and like nothing we've ever seen before. And so um, what we need is for people to really step up and step in and know that that these are difficult battles that we need to keep fighting for. And just because we've had some amazing wins, 45 women in 2020, that's huge. We're not done. We're nowhere near done. And it's just going to get a little bit tougher. But if you're thinking about it, if you feel at all compelled to discuss it, uh, if you have a passion for any, you know, whether it's environmentalism, whether it's education, whether it's, you know, city government, if you're into potholes, whatever you're into, reach out to us and, Um, we'd love to just connect and talk and help you find your spot, help you find your spot. Maybe it's not 2022, maybe it's not 2024, but if you're thinking about it ever, connect with us because we'd love to help you find your spot.
2: I would add one thing, which is it's really, it is really about the long-term game. And right now, anyone out there might be feeling Oh, geez, any number of things because we all go through an emotional roller coaster like what before we have our first cup of coffee um, every day these days. I'll share that, you know, the election results came in this time and there were huge, there were very big wins and there were some very big losses. And I went straight, I was like, okay, we need to fight hard. We're going to fight harder. We're going to keep going. And I had this, just this moment of fleet that went, I don't know if I can work any harder. I I feel like I feel like what we did, you know, we're working really hard, but it is not about it's it's about taking but it's, I feel but I feel better now. It's what or where are where we November 19th. It's taking the break that you need to reset and recenter and then being able to come back to the fight when you're ready. We're going to be here fighting and keeping this going and it's about a sustained group of people. So when you need to take a step back, it's okay, you can take the step back and the rest of us will keep, you know, we'll keep pushing forward as a group. Um, And so we really believe in that collective and that, you know, what we've built here, uh, just to be able to, even if you're you're feeling right now, like, oh, I'm sorry, you said it was gonna get harder. Um, I don't know if I can do more, you know, that was hard. I don't think I can do harder it's okay. We're going to build the ecosystem up even more and build the support up even more. That's why we're growing our organization and we'll be here to help push each other. Pull, you're going to have to pull me too. You know, there's just moments where we all just have to take that, um, take that front seat, back seat. And, um, and that's really our, that's our big mission is just to keep pushing this train forward. Cause we are not, we're just not, we're not stopping. We're not going back. Um, we've got big stuff coming and, and we're girl, we're going to get it.
0: Mm-hmm. If a listener wanted just to get more information and just to learn more, where should they go?
2: They can go to our website, Women Who Run Uh, you can just google search women who run nebraska uh and and you'll find us online our facebook group we have a facebook business page of course but we have a facebook group so we always recommend that people search for that it is a um it is a private group but we're very um liberal with who we let in so don't worry about that Um, but that is where a lot of the conversation happens we're also on instagram at women who run ne
0: My guests today have been Denise Powell and Leanne Pruitt, co-founders of Women Who Run Nebraska, a state political action committee aiming to help elect more progressive women up and down the ballot. Leanne and Denise, I am honored and uh, humbled by your efforts and I applaud you and just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with me today
2: thank you so thank much you so for much. making this space to share
0: thanks for having us this is it
1: the best, the best, best bit. at last, best best. At last yeah. i've been saving the best for last
0: okay so now oh. the real question i want to get to okay just Go no, it. it's just just kidding oh um, <laughs> the end of this week's show. You can listen again to this show and others by subscribing to the podcast at livesradioshow.com and find us on social media at livesradioshow. The music playing you in and playing you out each week was created specially for the show by Andrew Bailey. I'm your host Stuart Chittenden and this is Lives Radio Show and Podcast. Join me next week for fresh voices and diverse perspectives on culture, community and more.